Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Uh, it's a win time? Better than a lost time? Wasn't going to be perfect, was it, time? Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Sunday early morning. I guess in parts of the country, it's still Saturday night. That'll give you a time, give you an estimate as to what time we are recording this podcast, but such is the life with 7.30 p.m. football games, guys. And uh, Tennessee opened the season on on Saturday night, and it was uh, it was a win. It's better than a loss. It's a win over an SEC East team. Vols 31, South Carolina 27. Got tons to talk about. Uh, It was a wild night. Uh, And we'll have all three guys, all three of my coworkers here on this podcast with me. We're going to start with Grant Ramey, and then we're going to roll over to Ryan Callahan. And then for the final segment, we will get with Patrick Brown, who was actually at South Carolina on Saturday night. And I guess I should say Sunday morning also. But we're going to start with Ramey first. Grant, what's up, man? What is up? It is way past my bedtime. <laughs> this is super past your bedtime. This way is Way past. This is normally the time in on basketball road trips when I start worrying about your health and safety. Uh, As you should. The, the, witch, the witching hour. Uh, Grant, we'll get right to it. Uh, Tennessee holds on for a 31-27 to win over South Carolina to start the season. Lots to discuss from this game, lots of good, lots of bad, lots of weird. Uh, but in the, in the column that I guess I'm going to drop here in a little bit, Grant, my, my first take on this game was that, you know, Tennessee and South Carolina, with the exception of last year, almost always play really close games, right? Like really, really close games. So that's one. Two, anything that can be weird in 2020 – is being weird. So when you combine those two things and you open the 2020 season with Tennessee playing South Carolina, it's almost destiny that it's a really, really close game that comes down to the final moments and has a really weird ending, right? I mean, it's kind of like it was meant to be. Yeah, I mean, that's just what this series has been for the most part for the last 10 years or so. Uh, This used to be a lopsided series, South Carolina, took control of it a little bit and they've traded some win streaks, you know, over the last 10 years. But if, if specific to 2020, if there's ever a time and a place for just find a way to win a football game, it's this 2020 season. It's the first game of this season. It's on the road against a, you know, Tennessee, South Carolina, Tennessee, I think obviously got the better roster uh, top to bottom, but I think it's one of the more evenly matched sec games of the opening weekend. Uh, and to go on the road and to find a way to win a football game, to play as well as you did at times, to play as poorly as you did at times, uh, to have some guys struggle, to have to shuffle guys, you know, uh, 
the starting lineup, the uh, secondary specifically, uh, get some of the performances you got. And if you end the night up, that's all that matters. Win the football game, go on to what's next, and, and build on what you were able to accomplish because there's some really good stuff from this and there's some really bad stuff. Yeah, as much as I like it, and we're going to, if technology allows with everything kind of being weird as it is this year, we're going to bring post-game podcasts as quickly as we can after every game this season. We're determined to do that. We're going to make that happen after we write our first round of stories from the game. And the only thing that I don't like about, you know, having kind of a quick post-game chat or, you know, it's almost like that same thing when you're, when you got to hurry and you're on deadline, you don't always have perspective on these things, right? It's hard to, it's hard sometimes you need to almost sit down for a few hours and really think about something before putting a game in perspective. Perspective. It's the reason why coaches say, you know, let me watch the film before I talk about this because there's lots of unusual things. So I want to guard against being overly pessimistic with this thing. Like I, I think that there were a lot of things Tennessee needs to do a lot better. For starters, Tennessee won this football game despite being 1-4-11 on third down, which I don't know that I've ever covered a game where a team converted once on third down and won the game. I don't know that I've ever seen that. You know, that's just – that's baffling. How how you get uh, – how many total yards of offense did they have in this game? I believe – I mean, was, even crazier still, I believe that third down was third and two in the first quarter down 7 nothing, and you throw it deep down your, your sideline and Brandon Johnson sticks his paw out there. And hauls it in. And that was the conversion. My God, that was the only third down conversion, was, wasn't it? Like, if, if you don't complete that pass and you're down 7 nothing, and you're throwing deep down the sideline on third and two from, uh, I don't know where it was, probably around the 30, Tennessee 30, you're, you're pulling your hair out after that play. Why are you doing that on third and two? But it worked out, and that was a pretty big spark. And, and they, yes, third and third, one for 11 on third down and winning a football game, that's that, – that's impossible. This does not happen. Well, here's another one. 400 yards of total offense with one third down conversion. I, yeah, and, and it, how, it's, it's stupid. A balanced, I mean, not completely balanced, but a pretty good balance across the board. I mean, uh, Jerry Grantana throws for 259, and he had two total touchdowns, ran for one and threw for one. Uh, what did they rush for as a team? Chandler had 86, Gray had 46. As a team, they had 25. Yeah, they had 133, but I think 122 of that came in the second half. And you're replacing basically uh, the two biggest names, obviously a wide receiver that did most of the damage last year. And Josh Palmer has six for 85 tonight. Uh, Vilas Jones Jr. had five for 29. I thought he was impressive at times. Brandon Johnson, we just talked about that catch he made. He had three for 73. So, I mean, you got a little bit of everything across the board from different people. There was obviously some moments that, that make you want to go crazy, but in the end, you know, they were up 21-7 early in the third quarter. That lead was gone by early in the fourth quarter. Uh, and if we learned anything in the 2019 season, those five first five weeks of how disastrous that was, you'll take a win anytime you can get a win. You, you can't, you know, underestimate or overstate how good it is for a team to start one and know, especially a season like this in a game like this. You know, and there were some other things that, that I think went pretty well for Tennessee tonight. You know, there was a lot of things. I'm not going to put a bow on it, guys. There were a ton of things. There are more things that need to get better than things that are pretty good right now, I think. Let's just be real about that. Uh, but there were some positives. I mean, Tennessee in the first quarter alone made – two of what I think will end up being the three or four most impressive plays of the season probably. 
Um, that 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 Brandon Johnson catch ranks up there with Marquez North uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, as South one Carolina. against South Carolina again, sorry, Gamecocks as, as one of the, I mean, that's easily one of the five or so best catches I think I've ever seen a Tennessee player make. That was just an unbelievable play. And then Henry Toto has a pick six, 32 yards where he looks like an, an all sec running back in the open field. I mean, just throwing a, throwing shy Smith to the ground, you know, kind of dancing down the sideline, running away from people, showing that new speed. Um, that since he's, I guess, turned about 15 pounds in the offseason, th- there were some good things. Jared Garantano, when the game was on the line, he made a couple of really nice throws. And, and you know, Keaton dropped one that, that could have helped him, and uh, he put a couple other throws right on the money. And, you know, he wasn't great, but when Tennessee needed to play late, he, he was kind of there, right? Uh, special teams has, you know, Pruitt was worried about it, rightfully so. Uh, the first snap gets rolled down to the punter, and they complete a pass to the holder. I mean, I'm sorry, to the uh, to the snapper for two yards. Uh, so that's not good, you know. So that that went badly. Then you get Samaglia missing a kick, which almost, you know, never happens. Um, but Tennessee late kind of makes a kick that ends up, you know, being huge. And, 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 and there were things about that game that were okay, right? Like, I think the defensive line, not terrible. Uh, maybe film study will show something different, but I didn't think it was terrible. Secondary, considering all the guys out, not so bad. Um, the linebackers in pass coverage, though, are a huge problem, and that's something they got to get fixed. For sure. Uh, first of all, Shai Smith, shout out. Tennessee fans probably never want to see your face again. Yeah. I think he had 10 for 156 last year. He had that 75-yard um, uh, touchdown on the first play this year he has what 10, 10 for 140 yeah. and another touchdown uh that dude has went off the last couple times and, and didn't get a win out of either one of them but i think the ups and downs the really nice moments in the game and the really mind-boggling moments are a product of having as many players miss fall camp as you did i mean i think just to go out there and, and look as clean as they did at times obviously there are some glaring mistakes there are some really bad you know offside stuff uh, in some crucial moments, they couldn't move the sticks in the fourth quarter when they really needed to. And they had been uh, disciplined up front for – they didn't get false start penalties there and toward the end. That was right. the most frustrating yeah. thing. And, I mean, Jared Garantano, one, you know, one possession, he's missing passes like he's missed passes in, before, uh, in the past behind receivers or way too tall on the sideline. And then the next play – I mean, I'm sorry, the next series, they go down four plays, 75-yard touchdown, and he puts two – uh, two passes, one on Brandon Johnson's hands over the middle. It's kind of a bust in coverage, but he takes advantage of it for, I think, 33 yards. Mm-hmm. And the next play is a 32-yard touchdown uh, to Josh Palmer in the corner of the end zone. And, and just like that, he looks fine. And I think – I don't know if it's the the timing and the precision with wide receivers based on how many of those guys miss camp. At times, there are only four scholarship guys available for practice. Obviously, we've seen inaccuracy problems with Jared Garantano in the past – but right now, leaving that game, it's hard for me to decide, is this just the same dude that we've seen struggle in the past, or is this a guy that's still trying to get with these receivers and figure out uh, what's going on there? You still can't miss passes as badly as they missed, but you leave that game wondering what the answer is at quarterback because it didn't feel like Jarrett provided any answers. No, he didn't. I mean, I think it's just kind of a – it was a very Garantano game, right? I mean, he had some moments that make you go, oh, my God, what? it's the same thing again. Um, but then he makes a couple of really nice plays, and then after the game, Jeremy Pruitt, for the first time, comes out and publicly says something that, you know, there have been 
little hints of it here and there, but no one had ever really come out and said it, that Tennessee's wide receivers were just kind of a mash unit throughout preseason camp because of COVID right. and they were in and out. So now that doesn't explain why Pruitt, I mean, why Garantano just missed a couple of them when they were streaking down the field. That That's not, I don't think that's COVID related necessarily. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, they had to put together a plan. And I, and I give Pruitt credit again. He was honest about this. He said before the game, going into it, he said, uh, and then right before the game started, then right after the game, he said it again. He knew his team was not going to play a great game. He knew it. They just he's been around football for a long time. He has prepared teams. He has seen what good football looks like. With what they went through in camp, he just did not think they were gonna put together a great performance. And at times he said they played better than he thought they would, just to be honest. But right. if you're Tennessee and you go out there and play as well as you can and you win this game thirty one to twenty seven, you're in trouble. Right. But the good thing is and again, I'm not just trying to to spin this positively, I'm saying realistically, I think. Tennessee did a whole lot of things wrong and still won the game 31 to 27. So there is so much room to grow, I think. Um, and, and it's okay. I mean, guys like DeAndre Johnson, you know, went out there and had a great game. Now, Elijah Simmons out there, nose guard stepping in and making a couple of plays, although he missed that fumble recovery in the second quarter. The big guy, yeah, give him a chance, you know, big guy. It happens. But I just, I, I'm walking away from this grant and I'm, we're going to hear from everyone on the staff here. Um, but before we get out of here with you, I just want to I want to make sure that that we're both sort of clear about this. I think there were more, probably, maybe a few more bad things than good things in this game. But the fact that you overcame that and won, um, I think, is a good thing because you can get better, a lot better than this. I think, and, and you're still want to know. Yeah, I mean, you have to give credit that they executed when they had to execute. They had to, they made plays when they had to make plays. That defense looked really, really tired in the fourth quarter. And, and DeAndre Johnson gets a sack to force that field goal that ties the game at 24. And then the defense comes out and they get a three and out, I believe the next possession. I mean, that was, that was some really good answers for a really tired looking defense. And then when Jared Grantano had struggled and, uh, and made you want to go crazy, he did come around and, and have a couple answers and put a couple nice passes there. And, uh, they ran a little bit when they needed to run a little bit. And so I think, I mean, if you can take a win, I mean, they didn't execute when they had to execute against Georgia State. They didn't execute when they had to execute against BYU. Uh, it's You know, you don't have to go back very far to remember how much this team struggled uh, a year ago. Um, so in this season, in this, you know, everything that's gone on the last six months uh, to, to find a way to win a football game, it's it's going to be a lot more fun for them to try to break down this film and get better and prepare for a winnable game in Missouri than it would be if you didn't win this game. So credit to them for finding a way to do it there's, seven in a row. Yeah, there's an inherent value to winning and learning how to win, right? It's a culture. For sure. And, and I believe seven of those games, uh, four of them I think were single-digit wins. I mean, those are close games. And all games where Tennessee could and should have played better, but the fact is uh, at the end of a game – they made plays that they needed to uh, to win it. Grant, was there anything before we before we step out of here for the first segment? I want to I want to make sure we got a couple notes out here. Uh, Bryce Thompson did start at safety, not corner, um, because they were kind of a mash unit there. Uh, Tank McCullough and Theo Jackson both played, um, but they both also had missed some time with quarantine issues and other things, and they were not really in shape. I think to play sixty minutes, they were on the field a little bit late in the game. Right. Um, but they they did not start. Wanye Morris, preseason All-SEC offensive tackle. Uh, we've reported it. It's been out there. He had to go through quarantine twice. 
so Jameer Johnson steps in and starts. Uh, but you you still see Wanye Moore step in there and play some when Jameer Johnson had a hamstring tighten up or something in the second half a little bit. Uh, you know, so so there was you know obviously Cade Mays Cade Mays isn't out there. Sean Schamberger, who by the way you know according to Pro Football Focus was one of the best nickels in college football last season, he can't uh-huh. make the trip. He's in quarantine. So they had to make do with a lot of things there. Um, you know, at, at safety especially uh, wide receiver at times uh, and up front they had to they had to make do with stuff. Darrell Middleton did not make the trip again. I mean, South Carolina mostly had the guys that wanted out there. Tennessee did not, right. and I think that matters. Yeah, for sure. Schamberger, whenever you can get him back, I think that's a huge piece. Uh, South Carolina, uh, they picked on a ton, Danico Slaughter. He's been impressive in camp and earned, probably earned that starting spot uh, as somebody who can step up when Schamberger's out. Uh, but they're going to pick on freshmen, just like they picked on Morvin Joseph in coverage. Uh, I mean, those guys have to be better. Kovarish uh, Crouch has to be better in coverage at linebacker. Yeah, that, um, that, that, that was a little disappointing to me. He's got some work to do there. Yeah, but, I mean, if you can patch together something and still win a football game, it's fine. I think they were a lot better when Bryce went back to corner uh, and they shuffled the safeties a little bit. I think they're a better uh, defense like that. But, I mean, you would hope you're going to get more personnel moving forward and it's not going to be less and less each week. So if they can add some more normal guys to their their defense and plug them in where they want them, uh, it's something to build on because they did get stops. They, They looked bad at times, but they got stops when they had to get stops. Last thing, Grant, give me give me your your game balls. If you're handing them out, who who are they who are they going to? Uh, Henry for sure. Toto. I mean, that's your guy on defense. I, I've never seen. I was telling Ryan this. I've never seen a guy pick off a pass and then like truck stick the guy that was the the pass was intended for. And I think that was poor Shy Smith. Yeah, man, um, that, that 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 dude's a good player, but he will not want to watch that film ever in his life. And uh, offense. Oh man. Uh, probably Garantano, even though he wants to drive people crazy. I mean, I, I don't believe he turned the ball over, did he? Um, uh, no, he, he the, the ball was on the ground once, technically part of the stats, but it wasn't a lost fumble. So. He had 259 passing, 25 rushing. Uh, that was a good run when he had to run. He extended the play a little bit. He's, he needs to do that a little bit more. He only took two sacks. So uh, as frustrating as it probably was, I would go with JG and uh, Henry Totoa on defense. Yeah, I'm going to go with um... – I'm probably going to give mine to Brandon Johnson for making one of the most ridiculous catches I've ever seen. And, and plus, that was on a third down. That was Tennessee's only third down conversion of the night. He's going to get one for me. Uh, Ty Chandler is going to get one for me. He didn't have any touchdowns, but he did have uh, 86 yards on 13 carries, uh, and he had 10 yards on a catch. So, um, And I think his power, uh, you could see his power was really, really improved from last season. So I, I think he's going to get one for me. Uh, and then defensively, I'll go with Toto and DeAndre Johnson. Th- those would be the guys there. Specialists, I guess, Paxton Brooks and Bayless Jones. I guess those are my game balls there. So just Bayless can run, man. Yes, he can. If you get that, you get that cat in the open field, you can you can do some things. So uh, I guess Grant, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna kick you out of here. We're gonna go to break, listen to some products and services and all those other fun things, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna speak with Ryan Callahan. Do you have any final words? No, my night's just getting started. I'm getting ready to go get wild. <laughs> yes. Dude, it's like six hours past your bedtime. Go to sleep. Yeah, I'm going to bed. See you. <laughs> See you, Grant. Guys, we'll be back in just one second. We're going to step away, as I just mentioned, get to product services, all those other fun things, and we will be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ad you just heard a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. was joined by co-worker Grant Ramey in the first segment. We went down to the, the Blount County satellite office of Go Vols 24-7 in Maryville. Now we're going to go uh, to a different part of the Knoxville area and speak with Ryan Callahan. But before we do that, I'm going to remind you all again, um, please go in there, take a second, subscribe to rate and review this podcast. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or uh, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, anywhere in the Google Marketplace, where wherever you can cast a fine pod, you can find this one. So please go out there uh, and listen to us that way. Please subscribe to it. Uh, we're doing this for free and we're happy to do it, but the one thing we're going to ask in return, it's only one thing. Please go in there, subscribe, please rate, please review this podcast. Nothing you can do will help us more than that. And also, a quick reminder that today being Sunday, as we're recording this at an ungodly hour Sunday morning, Sunday is the final day of a really good promo that we have, one of the best ones we have, uh, for 60% off of your first year subscription to GoVoss 24-7. So please go out there. Uh, if you're on the fence about checking us out, it's a really good time to do that right now because what's already a reasonable rate, you can lop 60% off that for an annual subscription uh, your first year. So please go out there and do that. And, and before my mouth uh, becomes dry, than a desert here, I'm going to go ahead and introduce uh, the second of three GoVoss 24-7 co-workers you're going to hear tonight or this morning. That would be Ryan Callahan, who, like me and like Ramey, uh, was stuck in East Tennessee tonight because of COVID restrictions on travel for, for uh, SEC traveling media. But we got to watch the game, cover it, speak to players and coaches afterward. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, honestly, <laughs> kind of like Jeremy Pruitt said, and it's hard to hard for fans to maybe appreciate this, but honestly about what I expected from this team in a way, like I, we, we knew how many players they had been missing for such a large portion of preseason practice. We knew they might be without some players tonight and they were, uh, we knew that they had such little continuity from the practice time that had been missed that, you know, they just got back a lot of guys within the past week to 10 days before this game. So that you're, your, your practice time where you've had everybody together, even a large portion of the team, was so minimal that I, I just thought the, the setup for this game was not great for Tennessee in a lot of ways. But I, at the same time, I thought Tennessee was the better team. So, I mean, I, my final score I picked was 27-20, but this game went kind of a lot like I expected it to in, in, in a lot of ways. Tennessee made plays when it needed to. It, it had a ton of mistakes, plenty of things to correct, but – the, the encouraging thing to me, if I'm a Tennessee fan, is I didn't see a team out there that lacks ability. I didn't see a team that doesn't have upside. I saw a team that showed that it hasn't had a lot of practice time on the field together, that showed that it was missing some key players. 
and still managed to get the job done when, when they needed to and really never trailed in that game. Uh, so, so the fact that, or after that first drive anyway, and so the fact that they were able to take control of this game and battle back every time South Carolina tied them and everything like that, I, I think it's a pretty encouraging game overall. I know a lot of fans probably won't come away feeling that way, but I think it is because I just didn't expect this team to play that sharply in game one. Yeah, I don't want to brag on you here, buddy, but I picked 30 to 24 Vols. So hey, take that. That's not bad. Also, uh, and I meant to do this when Ramey was on uh, in the first segment, also predicted Mississippi State uh, to cover today. So Yeah, I did too. Take I was, that. I, take that, I, Ramey. Now I'd be lying if I said I thought Mississippi State would win that oh, game. Oh hell no! Right, I, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I wouldn't have said that either. There's no way. Yeah, but still impressive. Impressive SEC debut by the Pirates. Yes, it was. It was. Uh, and you know what I saw from the SEC, Ryan? I didn't talk about this much with Ramey in the first segment, so that'll be good to, to kick around here with you. Being at home to cover a Tennessee game for the first time in God nearly two decades or something like that. It's been forever, so this was a totally new experience for me, at least. It felt like that. Um, but I guess if there's one positive to that, uh, did get the opportunity to, without having to travel, I uh, was able to kick around and watch a lot of different games. And so I saw a lot of the SEC play today, and, and I think I saw one uh, potentially great team uh, in Alabama uh, beat a bad team in Missouri. And then I saw a lot of, eh, I don't really know yet. Uh, so, and that's kind of, that's not surprising, right? I mean, Georgia... Stumbled out of the gate a little bit. You know, Florida had a tough time with with Lane Kiffin and his guys there for a while in a game that maybe could have been a little closer. So, you know, it it wasn't like Tennessee was the only kind of sloppy team that we saw Saturday. No, not at all. And and honestly, I think we'll have to wait another week or two to really see what we should make of it at the same time. You know, I I think a lot of people will be – you know, Georgia bounced back in the second half, and so a lot of people will probably assume they're mostly fine. But – even with the team like that, you know, struggling in the first half, let, let's wait until next week and see if it happens again. You know, they, they've got a much tougher test against Auburn. Uh, so that we'll, we'll find out a lot more about some of these teams next week uh, when we see whether this was, uh, you know, opening game jitters and, and mistakes that can be corrected or signs of a team maybe not being as good as we thought in some cases. And, you know, I, I, again, this, this is a game that's been a close game for Tennessee in recent years, South Carolina. So I, 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 this is one of those games, it's a tough opener. I would have honestly said, regardless of the circumstances, a win is a win in this game. You know, South Carolina last year lost by 20 against Tennessee only because that game sort of got away from them with some mistakes, you know, a blocked kick that was uh, recovered for a touchdown, things like that. That, that was not a, that's, this is not a team Tennessee usually can expect to beat by 20. They were three and a half point favorites. This game went about exactly as Vegas thought it would. And so I, I, again, I, of all the teams in the SEC that come away with that, that come away from Saturday with something to really worry about, I think Tennessee's pretty low on that list, honestly, just because of the things that were exposed were not hugely concerning to me in terms of long-term issues. Yeah, if Tennessee had played nearly as well as it was capable of playing and won this game by four points, uh, I would have had some alarm bells ringing uh, be, because that that would have been bad news. Um, not not that they had lost, but that man, if this is about as well as they can play and they're beating this team by four you know, they're not going to be much, if any, better than they were last season. So the fact that they played just had a lot of sloppy moments and were playing without a lot of guys, uh, and they went out there and and still 
still won the game. I mean, I, I think there are positives to that because th- this is not a contest in terms of which team is more affected than the other team with COVID. Everyone's been affected by it. You know, South Carolina, on top of that, Marshawn Lloyd, who was going to be probably the guy they built that offense around the running back, yep. he can't play. Uh, he's out the season with an injury. So, you know, no one's crying for anyone else in this league. But the fact is Tennessee played this game uh, without Sean Chamberger, one of the better nickels around, played this game without Darrell Middleton, uh, played this game uh, with a lot of guys like Wanye Morris, Tank McCullough, Theo Jackson, who could not play much because they were working their way back into shape from protocol wide receivers that were kind of shuffling in and out of the lineup because uh, they couldn't play a ton of snaps because they had some COVID issues throughout camp too. So, so Tennessee had, it's hard to say Ryan, but I think Tennessee certainly would probably have been in the, you know, kind of in the the top tier or near the top tier of teams that have been impacted by this so far. And despite all that, Pruitt knowing they weren't going to go out there and play well, I'm not going to put a bow on it, but I don't think it's that bad. I really don't. No, I I don't either, and and I I mean uh, one thing you you I, I believe predicted this in our bold predictions. You know, one thing they weren't sloppy in, I thought, was penalties. They for the most part until the four minute pretty, offense, yeah, yeah, until that. You know, and 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 a couple really stupid penalties by Jeremy Banks. You know, he'll look at those on film and regret both of them because they were totally pointless in both cases. A couple fifteen yard penalties that you know you just can't make those kinds of mistakes. You know, a, a few things here and there, but you know, it wasn't a ten penalty, hundred twenty yard penalty yards kind of game it was it was a a mostly okay performance on that front and you know again some some mistakes that you can patch up they still scored 31 points and yes the offense was not responsible for one of those touchdowns but uh, at the same time you got you made enough plays you saw potential there to make more plays that's you know I I think it's concerning when you see an offensive performance where there's not much explosion you don't see a lot of upside in the offense they do need to take more shots down the field but I I saw this this offense being able to make some plays I saw the receivers uh, show some pretty promising signs I I saw Ty Chandler have a pretty good game Eric Gray had had a a few nice runs as well Um, breaking a couple tackles on his touchdown run I think that was a very good sign for him that's one of the things he's got to do more frankly in the SEC to continue to be more productive Uh, so I I think there are plenty of little things here and there you can point to yeah, sure. I mean, are, are they going to have to play better offensively to, to beat some of the top teams in the conference? No question. But yeah, again, just w- one third down conversion in a game is, is not generally yeah. very good. I mean, that's going to be the big storyline coming out of this is the third down offense has got to improve. And obviously, third down offense usually goes back to what? Your passing game. Um, so so Garantano has got to be sharper. Uh, he knows it wasn't his best game. He knows he's got to improve. At the same time, when they needed when they needed a score every time, they, they got it, whether it was on one drive or the next. They didn't wait long to score every time South Carolina answered them. So uh, they, they they got what they needed out of this game, even if it wasn't pretty by any means. Again, this was a survive and advance kind of game to me. I, I, I thought it was that way all along. If Tennessee had come out of there with a 20-point win uh, Saturday night, I would have been stunned. Uh, I just didn't think this team had that in them after the kind of preseason they had had, after the kind of concern that we would heard Tennessee had going into this game because of the, the number of players out. For, for much of the preseason just was not set up that well for Tennessee to expect a really impressive showing. So I just, I think this is a uh, kind of a typical game under the circumstances about what you would expect. And again, you take it, you, you, you're happy to win and you move on and you know that you're probably going to play better next week uh, no matter what you do. And the punter completed 100% of his passes in the game. That's right. I, I think that's something that needs to be mentioned. 
can definitely uh, build on that. Paxton Brooks, uh, in, in in terms of passing efficiency, uh, a one sixteen point eight quarterback rating. That's not too shabby there, Paxton Brooks. That's uh, and, and you know I'm not sure, Ryan. But before, before we, we step out of here for this segment, do you think he meant to punt that ball the way he did on that final punt, or do you think he almost kind of mishit that ball? I I thought he mishit it. He he's had some like that in the past, so that seemed seemed unintentional to me. I don't I don't think he was just going for a roll there, but. Uh, I, I, I guess I'd love to find out, but I, I don't think that was intentional either way. Hey, couldn't have worked out much better. And, you know, Tennessee has been the type of team that could, could use a break like that for years. You know, they've, they've had some bad breaks go against them in, in some close games. So uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, with, with taking a break like that to, to pull out a game. And at the same time the, their defense had, had shown it was capable of answering the bell. So I, I, I don't, I don't rule out that they would have made the stop anyway on that drive, but you made a, you made a play, you, sco- you pounced on the ball when you had a chance, and, and you sealed the deal. And now, again, this is the team learning how to win. Good teams find ways to win games like this, even when they're not at their best. And seven straight wins, it's a team building confidence. I think all of that matters in the grand scheme of things. So uh, I, I think you take this and you, you're happy about it under the circumstances and you move on. Uh, one other thing I do want to mention, I don't know if you guys discussed it, uh, if you discussed it with Grant, but uh, just I, Jeremy Pruitt's opening statement in his postgame press conference Saturday night was um, that not that I'm surprised because of what we've heard from Jeremy Pruitt throughout the year. But, um, you know, for, for sort of you know, moments after a after a, a pretty frustrating but satisfying win, I guess, in a way, you, you know, for him to turn the focus to what players across the country have been going through and, and talk about how inspired he is by what young people across the country have done under these circumstances and, and, and sort of relating more to what players are going through mentally and all of that. That's, I, I just, I, I think Jeremy Pruitt deserves a ton of credit. He's wh- whatever you think about the job he's done in, t- in two plus years so far, there is no question he has proven to be the right coach for this moment for Tennessee. And he's, I, I think represented the Vols really, really well. And, you know, that, that's something that, you know, could help in recruiting and all of that. But I think he's just handling this on a day-by-day basis and relating to his players. And I thought that was a, a great message to send after a, a close game like this with everything his team's been through the past several weeks. Yeah, I don't want to say that I'm, like, truly shocked by the, by the way he's handled everything this season. Um, but I am a little bit surprised that, that, that publicly – because this is, this is a guy who – you know, this is only his third year as a head coach. You know, he, he's not – and Saban's guys don't talk to the media. So, you know, he, he's had to – for a guy who kind of got thrown into the public spotlight here, um, and not that it's about him because it's it's obviously about the, the young men and women, especially the young men and women of color who are going through some of the things they're going through right now. Um, and, and that's – so it's about them. But the way that, that, that Jeremy Pruitt has been listening to them and been so public and staunchly defending them – uh, and, and just being honest about the things that he's learning this year. I, I think that's been the way he's handled that, the way he's handled the COVID thing. I mean, I the, the guy as a CEO um, it, it has been pretty impressive to me. He's really grown into the job, I think, the past year, year and a half. I mean, uh, just from the way he dealt with that team's adversity last season and then obviously everything they've dealt with this year, I, I just think he is really – shown a ton of growth uh, and, and obviously has done things to upgrade his staff each year he's been at Tennessee. So if you don't see upward trajectory in Jeremy Pruitt as a head coach, I, I think you're just not looking for it. Yeah, I think that um, you can see why he recruits so well and you can see why players feel the way they do about him. You, you saw yep. the, the comments that 
you know, guys like Jalen Ramsey and other guys who have played for him, uh, some of Mac Wilson and some of those other guys. But those guys obviously don't have any love for the Vols. But when Jeremy Pruitt was hired, uh, they, they were pretty staunchly defending him and, and or saying supporting him in the hire and saying, Tennessee, you just you, you fell into a good situation here. So I, I think you're, you're starting to see that. Ryan, final thing, uh, anything that truly surprised you in, in this game? Maybe DeAndre Johnson, maybe anything else that really surprised you? Yeah, I, I think the pass rush in general, I, I wasn't sure what I could expect from them in that regard. And DeAndre Johnson for sure surprised me, but just just for them to you know get some pressure overall. And I, I thought they'd find ways to get some pressure. I, don't get me wrong. I, I didn't think they would have a non-existent pass rush. I don't think Jeremy Pruitt will accept that really as a, as a defensive-minded coach. I think he's going to want to drum up pressure, even if it takes blitzing more aggressively. But uh, for them to, to get the kind of pressure they did, I thought was a pretty encouraging sign. And if they can continue that, uh, you know, that, that I think the run defense was a little bit, you know, had, had some holes here and there. They've got to plug up a little bit better moving forward, but that's maybe not surprising after the preseason they had. But if that pass rush can continue that way, uh, that gives them a much better chance of being a pretty good pass defense. I know Shy Smith had a big game against them, but again, missing some guys in the secondary, especially Schamberger, that was a big deal. Uh, and, and obviously without, you know, if, if you get Schamberger back soon, you know, that, that's, that could help help fix some of those issues, but also Shai Smith's just a good player. But pass rush helps with that a lot too. And if they can continue that, improve on that, and get young guys like Tyler Barron and Morvin Joseph mixed in even more, that, that's that's a pretty encouraging start to have DeAndre Johnson show that well on, on opening night. Yeah, I, sh- I, sh- I shouldn't have taken this long to mention Tyler Barron. He had a couple of TFLs in that game tonight, mm-hmm. and he did some good things. But I think, Ryan, uh, it's weird that you know, Henry Toto made one of the best linebacker pass defense plays we've seen from a Tennessee linebacker in a long time. Uh, yep. But with that said, overall, Tennessee's uh, linebackers and coverage, um, that's a big issue they need to fix. They, I didn't think they were very good, uh, the linebackers overall, in terms of pass coverage in the game. Yeah, that's that's fair. And 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 I, I saw Toto missed a tackle in the box at one point, too. You know, you wonder if the, you know losing a little bit of weight it will, will impact him in any way, but I, you know, just one tackle, I wouldn't make too much of that. Obviously there, there were some mistakes, certainly at, at every position, every level of the defense, I'm sure has some things that can clean up. And, and obviously the, the big day for shy Smith is, is one of the things that stands out. So they, they've got some things to, to work on. I, I think that's okay. I think that group on that side of the ball will mostly be fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I think overall you, you come away mostly encouraged because there, there are a lot of things they can fix and a lot of things they should be able to fix. And then the fact that you got some encouraging things out of guys like DeAndre Johnson and Tyler Barron, that's that's definitely something you need uh, from this team to, to have a, a chance at having a pretty good season. Ryan, go to bed, man. You're going to have your kids uh, crying here in probably the next <laughs> any minute now. So why don't you go ahead and get some shut-eye while you can, and I'll, I'll get on out of here and I'll go to Pat Brown for the final segment. Sounds good. Thanks, Wes. Guys, thanks, Ryan Callahan, and, and thanks for listening again. Uh, I shouldn't have said that right there, but it's okay. Don't worry. It's that time of night. It's fine. Uh, bottom line is we're going to take a quick break, listen to product services ads, and be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during the commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a early, early Sunday morning, uh, just much, much later than we'd like to be recording a podcast. Nonetheless, here we are, and you, you've heard from the first couple segments, uh, we went to the Blount County Satellite Office, and we heard from Grant Ramey, then we went across town, heard from Ryan Callahan. Now we're going to bring it on home with the with the heavy hitter, the dude who was actually in the house tonight at williams Bryce Stadium, the one man allowed uh, from Go Vols 24-7 to be there, the one, the only, Patrick Brown. Pat, what's up, man? Not much, Wes. It's a uh, late night. Road game. It's good. To, uh, I don't want to say the haze in the barn, but uh, I feel, feel like we as a staff put in a good effort tonight, and uh, Tennessee gave its fans uh, a little bit of a tense uh, evening. Put it that way. Yeah, it's uh, some some better than others, buddy. It's we're recording this around two a.m. Sunday, and uh, I still have to finish my column after this and edit this podcast and maybe get some photos in. So. I don't know if the hay's in the barn from this end either. So it's, it, it is where it is, man. It, it is what it is. It's been a really, really weird season, and it's just going to be that way for a while. But that's okay because we had football to enjoy exactly. on Saturday, and you were there, mm-hmm. Pat. And I want to – here's what I want to start off by asking you. Henry Toto, a Tennessee sophomore linebacker, said after the game that he really wanted to credit South Carolina's fans because at times – it really did feel like there were more than whatever 17, 18,000 people there. He said it felt like at times it was louder than that, and it felt close to like a real atmosphere. Um, did you get that sense at all, or was that just Henry Toto being nice? Well, no, I, I think there's some legitimacy to it. Um, South Carolina's press box is not open air. That's the best way to determine the uh, volume. Um, but they did have some of the uh, – it was a nice night, obviously, and and they had some of the – um, at the top of the windows, they had some of those like punched out, you know, like you have in like in a minivan, you can kind of oh, yeah. kick those windows out to get some air in there. So they had those. Um, and it, it, it kind of felt like a little bit of like an open air press box, but not full on. But, um, I don't, I don't think Toto is being nice. I mean, I, I think it was pretty loud for, I think, was it 17,000? I think, I don't remember the, uh, exact. That's a good, um, that's a good ballpark. Um, but it was, I mean, it was, it was loud for 17,000 people. Now that, We've, Wes, you and I have both been to Williams Bryce. We know it can get loud. Tennessee always seems to play night games there. I was actually thinking about this. Yes. You know, in the fourth quarter, it's always a night game. It's always close. It's always, you know, you're always riding down to the wire and you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, your your game story can change several times in the final uh, minutes and what have you. But, um, yeah, you know, it was, I mean, it, it got pretty loud and, and um, for that many people. Now, obviously, it, I, on the decibel level, on the, on the volume, it, it wasn't near what it would be if it was full. Um, but you know, the crowd was in the game. Um, it, it did get loud. You know, there were some moments where they were really into the game. Um, and you could tell, and, um, I, I don't really think that was just, um, I don't think that was lip service from, from Henry. I think he, you know, and, and I think we've seen differences if we've, if you've watched games that are, that don't have fans, uh, some of these NFL games and, and games that do have fans, there's, there's a huge difference. Even 17, 20,000 people can make 
uh, a pretty big difference. And um, so I think that was uh, that I, I don't know what it sounded like on television, but it was it wasn't quiet for uh, especially in some of those big moments there in the second half. Yeah, it looks on TV sometimes like a spring game crowd, but it's louder than that because this game matters. You know, that that's kind of the yeah. sense that I get from from watching it. But I mean, I just I wanted to get your take on it because I know there were so few Tennessee fans who could go there. Um, and, and this is the first time in what nearly two decades I've not covered a Tennessee game in person. So it was real. I was just kind of fascinated to also hear because I'm kind of like one of the people here. You know, I'm kind of trying to figure out what the what the what the vibe was like. So it's it's good to know that not, now that we've gotten that out of the way. The the uh, I, I oh, don't no, add this. Yeah, is go ahead. that um. You know, when when you're driving to a road game, and you know, you feel like you as soon as you get off the interstate for a lot of these places, you know, you're hitting the face with traffic. Like um, driving right up to the stadium, you're like, you wouldn't even know there was a game going on. But as you got close to the stadium, you know, I don't I don't know what South Carolina's rules on tailgating were. I don't know what Tennessee's are, so I don't know what it's going to look like next week for the Missouri game. But I mean, it was a it was a lighter crowd, but there were people out there watching football, tailgating, having a good time. Um, and that probably contributed to some of the noises because it was a night game and some people had been, you know, a lot of people have been waiting on, on this day for a while. You, you, you um, could say, say lubricated, ready to go. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I think I think a lot of people have been waiting on on these moments and Tennessee fans will be the same way. I think next week I think they'll get pretty loud for however many, you know, what the capacity is. And um, uh, if you're Tennessee, if you're Tennessee's players, uh, you, you'd see what South Carolina's fans did uh, ten, uh, on Saturday night and hope that, uh, even in a noon kickoff next week against Missouri, that uh, there can be some volume in Neyland Stadium next week. In terms of, of the game itself, Pat, I, I know that, that I've already talked to, to Ryan and to, to Ramey about this, but but you know you were the guy who was actually there. So I, I, the sense that I got is that if you're Tennessee and if you played as well as you could play, basically, and you beat South Carolina by four points, that's not great news. Um, but Tennessee not playing very well at times – being kind of scattershot at times, uh, making some big mistakes, and still beating South Carolina by four points on the road, I think you can actually spin that forward and say that that's that's not so bad. Well, and, and I wrote this, Wes, and you know, you just compare this season over to the last two, and even the first, the start of those games. You know, you go back to the West Virginia game, first play, Jarrett Gnutato gets decapitated by the nose tackle that nobody yes, blocks. Yes, he did. Um, <laughs> second play against Georgia State. You know, they have the swing pass, Chandler Bobbles, it turns into a turnover, Georgia State goes on and wins that game. You know, Tennessee lost both those games. You look at Saturday night's game, they, you know, South Carolina goes right down the field. Tennessee was off balance. It looked like they didn't know, you know, it looked like they were really tentative on defense that first drive. Then they have the snafu with the punt. You know, Will Albright uh, sent a couple of ground balls back to Paxton Brooks. And, uh, um, you know, you had the, the snafu there where South Carolina gets ball inside their own 40. I mean, th- these are trends that Tennessee is – like they just start awful in some in these openers under Pruitt, but then I think you see the growth um, of the culture of the foundation of just the the mental fortitude and the you know the will to win that's that Pruitt is instilled. And a couple of players talked about this after the game. You know they know that there's going to be adversity, especially this season of all seasons. Um, you know there, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be difficult moments. I mean, you look at Tennessee secondary; they were just trying to piecemeal it together with some of the guys they had didn't have some of the guys that hadn't practiced very much um and they were struggling there for a stretch but um it just goes back to me you know for me it just gets back to finding a way to win finding a way to win you know and Pruitt I think after the game was very much like I'm not going to complain about winning a road game in the SEC and he's he's right to do that and for everything that Tennessee had to deal with during the preseason 
um, and, and all the guys that they didn't have for so long. For them to come on the road, they didn't play great. But the bottom line is, is that they're, you know, they're one and zero and heading back home with with the victory. Uh, I think if <laughs> you know, I don't know if you're Tennessee, you're not thrilled about that. Now, obviously, they can play better and we'll play better, and you know, maybe they'll get some guys back and get some more. Uh, get some guys that are a little bit more ready to play, but um, that's just what it gets boiled, you know, kind of boils down to me. Because you look at the seven-game win streak, West and um, Tennessee, you know, and I think Crew would say this too. When have when have they played their best during that stretch? I mean, it's tough to say. Yeah, it really is. Uh, maybe that South Carolina game in the second half last season, the, yeah. you know, the one that started this streak, that was when they played really well. But um, you look at some of these other games, they haven't played great, but they just kind of grind it out and find a way to win. I think that's 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 a good attribute to have, especially this season. You know, you're going to need that. You're going to need the mental fortitude. You're going to need the ability to, you know, deal yourself some adversity or have adversity hit you and then be able to just kind of take the punch and roll with it. So, um, and that's something that, that Josh Palmer and Henry Toto and Jerry Gantano talked about after the game. It's just the culture that, that Pruitt's built. It's, um, you know, wins like this are kind of forged um, in the attitude that you make for yourself as a team and as a program. And I think that was uh, sort of what got Tennessee uh, on the winning side of this one. Yeah, w- with Tennessee, w- with, with all the COVID stuff, I-, I think there are two separate things to, to consider there. One is the fact that some key guys, a few key guys, were not there. And I think that did have a big impact. I mean, if you, you, you take guys like Middleton and, um, you know, Sean Chamberger and you put them in that defense – things are going to look a little bit different. You know, I, I think there's no question about that. But to me, the, the bigger issue, bigger than that, was the fact that there were so many guys who who were able to play in the game, but they couldn't play a lot. In some cases, they didn't even start. Um, and these were guys they're going to count on a lot who just were not up to speed because they missed too much time in camp. And you could tell, I mean, they were having to manage guys like Wanye Morris and, you know, Theo Jackson and, and – um, Tank McCullough, they were having to kind of manage some of those guys, and, and, and they're going to need them, wide receivers too, all over the place. Yeah, and, and, you know, Pruitt said after the game they haven't had a lot of wide receivers. I think that's why you saw, you know, for all the talk this offseason about the freshmen at that position, and uh, Jared Gantano even uh, on Saturday night said that those guys are going to be talented and their time will come. But, you know, he leaned on the veterans tonight at wide receiver. Josh Palmer, Brandon Johnson made a, a catch that was, I think, in the number four play on Sports Center uh, that I just saw as I got back to the room. Um, and so there were three plays better uh, than that? <laughs> yeah, and they were pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Um, you know, Bayless Jones is a guy that's new to Tennessee, but he's played and you know he's played college football. This is his fifth year now. So, um, and then you look at you know the special teams. I think it's I think it's fitting, perhaps, or maybe just kind of just one of those weird things where you know we heard so much about Jeremy Pruitt talk about how Tennessee was. I don't want to basically say not prepared on special teams going into this game, just because uh, as he reminded us after the game. You know, the first week they didn't have any specialists because they were all in quarantine, and they almost they almost the much, first two weeks of practice, they didn't even they didn't even do special teams for two weeks, and then they end, they ended up you know sealing this game on a on a special teams turnover where they you know they execute a rugby punt that I guess South Carolina wasn't ready for the guy. You know, yeah, I want to ask uh, you that, Pat, real quick. I don't I don't, don't want to interrupt you here, but I want to ask: Was that for sure a rugby punt, or was that a miss kick? Oh, that was a rugby punt. He uh, Paxton Brooks rolled to his right and hit a. End over ender that was that was bouncing quite a bit. So okay, okay. that was definitely a, a rugby punt, and um, you know they they, they they do they've done that a few times in at the end of games lately because they don't want to give up a return. Um, it's easy to just kind of knock one down there and go chase it and let it roll, and um, you know they got on the right end of that tonight. But um, you know you you look at the special team situation. Obviously, you know some of those 
uh, some of the unpreparedness showed early, you know, with Will Albright, you know, Pruitt really kind of went to bat for him after the game saying that he's going to, you know, be a good player. And he, you know, he didn't mean to make the mistakes he made, but, you know, they made a switch there and it worked out. Um, and, and you look at the secondary, you mentioned that they had to sort of piece it together with, you know, Sean, Sean Schember and on the trip, uh, Jalen McCullough and, um, you know, Warren Burrell is another guy that have been playing at safety. And he played safety some tonight where in, in the dime package, but, um, didn't had a lot of hadn't had a lot of practice time, so Danico Slaughter gets you know thrown in there at the star position, and as we've seen, you know you know Slaughter will have a good group of guys to lean on if he's having you know feeling down about himself because he got picked on a little bit tonight because some of his older teammates got picked on. You know Bryce Thompson, Trayvon Flowers, where he got picked on in that West Virginia game. Um, Warren Burrell is another guy that you know the whole first month of the season they were you know, teams were going at him quite often, and I think South Carolina that was their their game plan on offense was to get their best guys, you know, since they were pretty limited in their playmaking department was to get their best guys on, on, you know, in some favorable matchups against Tennessee's uh, linebackers and against slaughter. And, um, you know, he, he, he had some bumps in the road there, but, you know, they ended up moving Bryce Thompson and he was at safety. You know, they needed him at corner and moved him to corner. I think they played a little bit better uh, once they moved him to corner and brought McCullough back in at safety and McCullough was rusty. I think he missed a couple tackles. So he, he did, um, so that's just, you know, that's what it boils down to. You just, you kind of find guys, you find a, you know, you just, you know, DeAndre Johnson steps up and makes some plays tonight. Uh, I think Greg Emerson had to play early right before Henry Toto's pick six where he batted the ball down that South Carolina's quarterback Colin Hill caught. It was like a 10 yard loss, get him behind the sticks and you have him throwing on uh, third and forever. You know, Matthew Butler made a couple plays. Uh, your guy Elijah Simmons, I'm sure you all have talked about it, but he you know, gets I'm, the start. I'm, tr- I'm trying my best not to call this the Elijah bleeping Simmons <laughs> podcast. <but. laughs> um, you know, Prude had a great line about him after the game, saying that uh, uh, he always sees him in the lunch line. <laughs> true. My, my favorite Elijah Simmons story is I, I don't want to go too far overboard on with time on this this edition of the podcast here. But I think my favorite moment with Elijah Simmons so far was last season uh, They for the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. They had that um, that excursion where they went over to the military base, and it was super cool. Got to go on a you know tour. Of the barbecue of lunch, the right? And they had the barbecue lunch, and the entire team was eating there except for Elijah Simmons, and he was sitting in the corner, and he looked really sad. And I don't know this, but in my mind, I was thinking, did they tell him he has to eat special food? Do they not let him eat barbecue today, <laughs> or is there or is there some sort of allergy there of which I'm not aware? Uh, because if you're from Memphis and originally, and, and you don't you have some sort of a barbecue allergy. That's, that's a rough life. But uh, I, I don't know that, that he was given a special lunch there, but I just, I, I kind of thought, no, they're not, they're not letting him eat. Um, so, you know, uh, it, it's, uh, but, but he, he showed some good mobility, I thought, tonight on a couple of plays. Now, he should have picked up that fumble late in the first half. Yeah. But, I mean, he, if you watch the play right before that fumble, uh, when he was there in the, the open field making a play, that was really surprising, I thought. Yeah, and, you know, some other guys made some nice plays. Tyler Barron, I think, popped up with a couple tackles for loss. I think Morvin Joseph, uh, he got picked on in one pass play. Uh, yes, that yes, was another did. example of South Carolina sort of, we're going at that guy. That was their you know, that was their game plan. We're going to, whatever else, you know, the, 11, the other 11, the other 10 guys on defense or on offense didn't matter. We're going at that guy, this guy. And so that that's, um, that, that's what they were able to do. But it's just, it's going to be one of those seasons, Wes, where, your ability to just kind of find a way is going to be, I think, maximized. Because, I mean, you look at some of the results today. Uh, you know, Texas goes to Texas Tech and has to win in overtime with a ridiculous onside kick. You know, LSU gets beat by Mississippi State. Georgia struggled for two-plus quarters against Arkansas. Your ability to just sort of find a way is going to be, I think, even 
maybe even more important now than in other years. And I think Tennessee kind of reminded us again that they have that. Now they need to go play better. They need Jerry Garantana to, um, you know, to be more consistent and, and, and do more do more of the of the good things that he did do in this game. Um, and they need to clean some things up defensively. But, you know, you look at linebacker, I think they struggled with some of those inside guys tonight. Yes, they uh, did. Those guys are going to get – those guys are going to get better. You know, I think they need to get some guys up to speed that have just missed time. Juan A. Morris, Aubrey Solomon, two of those guys. So, um, but again, it just kind of – it wasn't pretty, and I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans were frustrated and nervous and um, probably angry at different times in that game. But um, I think it something has to be said for being able to sort of grind it out and, and find a way. Yeah, it wouldn't be a Tennessee football game if there weren't like five separate threads during the game on our – Gone Govos twenty four seven checkerboard, you know, asking about the backup quarterbacks. You know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a Tennessee game without that, uh, because that's just that's just kind of the way it is. And and poor Garantano does it to himself sometimes, but then he steps up and he makes plays when you need to win games sometimes. And you go, man, like it, it's just it, it's tough to figure out sometimes. It really is. He just yeah, and, and he you know I think we've seen all the spectrums of him at this point. I mean, he's he's been here a while. He started a lot of started a lot of games, played a lot of football. I think you've seen Garantano at his worst. And tonight wasn't great, but also wasn't terrible. You know, I agree. Can, I they agree. Beat, can they beat Florida and Georgia with him playing like he did tonight? Probably not. Can they beat Missouri and Vanderbilt and maybe Arkansas with him playing the way he did tonight? Probably. I mean, he, yeah. it wasn't terrible. I, you know, Pruitt wasn't too down on him uh, after the game, just saying that, you know, he liked his decision making. I don't, I can't recall him coming close with an interception. Um, but there were some throws that he just he just airmailed. He was off. Um, maybe some, I don't say miscommunications, but you know things where him and his receiver weren't on the same page. But um, if he gets some of those things corrected, then you know it, maybe he can. I'm not going to suggest he's going to go out there and tear it up, but he just needs to play within himself. If he plays within himself, um, then I think Tennessee will, will have a chance. And I, I think if you're Tennessee, and Pruitt said this. After the game, he, he didn't think they were ready at all. And Pruitt, uh, I think he was concerned going into this game about how they would play. Uh, and I think he was probably pleasantly surprised by a lot of things. There are also stretches where Tennessee kind of looked like a team that wasn't ready. Um, and but and, you know, but, but when, it's easier to, it's easier to look at those things and pick apart those things when when you leave with a win. And and when you have a culture, when you're putting a culture in place where you are just kind of building a group that wins, you find ways to do that. You know, you find ways to sort of manage a game when you're not playing well, and you you just kind of do what you need to do, and you find a way to win. And and maybe sometimes that requires you getting a break or those other things, but they found a way to win the game. I think that's, I think that's important. Pat, before we get out of here, is there anything else that you saw in, in that game tonight that, that really just you haven't mentioned yet and you really want to talk about? Yeah, I think two guys probably need need some props. Uh, they're not household names necessarily, but uh, DeAndre Johnson, I think, had a really good game. Yes. Um, made some plays off the edge. He, he's a guy that I think sometimes gets, I don't want to say lost um, in the mix, but he's, you know, he's not a guy that most people, I think, know. Uh, and he was their best outside linebacker tonight, I thought, particularly as a pass rusher. He was really sharp off the ball. And um, talking to some guys after the game, it sounded like that's what he's been doing a lot of camp. So. Yeah. Uh, and offensively, I think Bayless Jones deserves um, a little bit of a credit. You know, T. Martin said a few weeks ago that he was a guy they were going to get the ball to um, quite a bit because of what he can do. And you saw that tonight. He had a you know big kick return. Uh, I think we knew he could do that. But 
um, some of his speed. I think he's a, a strong guy, like Pruitt pointed out. He's, he's pretty built for, uh, I don't know, I don't know what he's listed at, probably six foot, 200, something like that. He's not not the biggest guy, but he's built pretty strong and maybe, you know, get some of those tough yards. And they got that little pop pass play with him that we saw a few times. And um, it'll be interesting to see what, what things they can do and develop off of that to uh, uh, maybe generate some bigger plays in the future. Yeah, and I've mentioned it before, but I think Tyler Barron uh, did a couple of good things tonight that probably uh, deserve mention. Um, And I think Ty Chandler is a name that his power that he showed in his game tonight, he's had a little bit of that before, but he had a couple of really impressive physical runs, I I think, in this game. And, uh, you know, Tennessee, hey, they only had 100. They had, what, 11 rushing yards in the first half? turn that around in the second half, kind of look like themselves running the ball. So, you know, I, I thought they, they did okay. You know, I don't think it was great, but a win's better than a loss, right? Yeah, and again, you, you saw it in spurts. You saw, like, moments where you're like, okay, this offensive line's really pushing the line. There's holes there. You know, running backs are running hard. And then you saw moments where, you know, they have a breakdown and a guy gets in the backfield, you know, missed throws, things like that. You saw, I think, what this team can be in spurts, but – um, and they've got to find a way to, to limit those inconsistencies and those bad stretches. And uh, I think that's just going to come with uh, over the course of the season as this team gets more practice time together. I'll tell you, Pat, you, you've had a good productive night, fella. I think you ought to go get some shut eye. Thank you, Wes. That's what I'm going to do. Why don't you go and do that, buddy? Thanks, guys, for tuning in, as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot say that enough. Thank you for listening to us on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 and get tons and tons and tons of stuff on there. But the best place to go, you want the best Tennessee coverage on all of Al Gore's internets. You want that delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water right from the tap? Go to GoBoss247.com. Right now, we got a really good special, uh, one of the best ones that, that we have during the year. Uh, and this day being Sunday is the last one uh, for this special right now. 60% off of an annual subscription for your first year. So please go in there and check that out. It's a really good deal. You get Tennessee football coverage, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, Lady Boss coverage with Maria Cornelius, just all kinds of stuff for such a relatively cheap price. It just is. It's less than one mediocre lunch a month. And that's if you don't get one of the specials, which we have right now. And on top of that, if you pay us full price, you get free access to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform. Tons and tons of sports, movies, shows, CBS, uh, Comedy Central, BET, MTV, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, all kinds of stuff for free, for free, $100 annual value in your pocket. So uh, if nothing else, guys, thank you for listening. I uh, hope you're not still awake at this hour, but uh, if you are, go to bed. And uh, listen to this in the morning. And we will see y'all if there's no breaking news here probably in in a day or two. See you.